What's happening, y'all? This is Tom Wilson. We're here with another episode of Elevate Your Game. Today, I'm happy to introduce our guest, Mr. Jason Hart, Coach Jason Hart, um, NBA vet, went to Syracuse, um, high school coach, college coach, been at every level now, the head coach of the G League tonight. Jay, welcome. Hey, you, brother. Thank you for having me, man. Yes, sir. Appreciate yes, sir. So, um, we... On this show, what we like to promote and introduce is just how to get better. It's about elevating your game, both on and off the court, with your experience just as a coach, um, as a player, um, as a dad with a kid who's in the game. What do you think, if you had three things to give me, that parents could focus on for their kids, not reaching the highest level playing in the NBA, but just reaching their highest level as an individual? Um, well, I think the three most important thing is that... Uh understand what's the goals, right? And so I think education has to be first and foremost. Um, loving on them in those early years when they play bad because you never know how it's going to be 10 years from now. So why are we going to stress the situation out now when in 10 years you may not even be playing? And then three, just encourage them. Is you know, My dad always told me, just do your best. Mm. I think a lot of times, you know, with the, the rise of social media, rightfully so, um, it give, it's giving our kids in the, in the basketball world in particular anxiety. So it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. So we as parents, we got to do a better job of encouraging because we know they comparing um, to their friends when we're not around through social media. And it, and it causes anxiety, and that leads to a whole other world of things we don't even want to discuss. 100%. I like uh, what you said. Your, your number two remark was, uh, as a parent, loving on them, regardless of what happening in the the, the, the game in the moment. What does that look like for a parent? I'm going to say driving to a game, during the game, and then after the game. What would that look like? Well, you know, as a parent, you're going to coach your son when you drive or daughter. You're going to coach him to the game. But we got to understand, like, at the end of the day, you know, it we don't have to be as harsh. And, and, and again, I'm, I was one of them parents, you know, so I, I had to learn and grow. And so I'm dealing with one now, different sport. So it's just all about encouraging and, and loving on them and knowing that this is not, this moment ain't going to be forever. And so I, this helped me for number two. And so I think the loving on them and, and letting them know that you, you're still the best regardless, because you are. Yeah. Um, I think that's most important. No, that's awesome. I think that's, um, that's a big thing that I love to communicate with the parents, especially with middle school, mm -hmm. before they get to high school and with this the AAU scene, you know, the kids who are playing at the highest level mm -hmm. as far as middle school goes. Right. Like, y'all worried about this? Ain't even, no college coaches are watching this. Right. Uh, I asked you this. is uh, When you were at SC, we had a bunch of kids, and we went for a tour. And I asked you this. I said, how many middle school rankings do you look at as a college coach? <laughs> None. <Yeah. laughs> and then, okay, how many? what high school rankings do you really look at? None. <laughs> so these rankings, these systems that are put in place don't really matter when it comes to somebody who can hoop. The coach is going to find you. What, what are you looking for as a coach? You know, you're recruiting at the college level and now at the NBA level, you know, what are you looking for? Well, for a night, well, for college, it's two things. College, you're looking for a young man who understands um, what he wants in his life and hopefully somebody who's aspiring to be a pro. And so as a recruiter, you got to know you, 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 you're getting somebody's son out their house, their love. So you got to treat them as if they're yours. Right. First and foremost, as an assistant coach, as a head coach, that's your job. And then two, our job as a recruiter um, program is to get that player better, uh, period, point blank. Yes. If, if, if we didn't think they can get better, we wouldn't be recruiting them. But we can't um, underestimate that they're not Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan walking through the door. And so our job is to find the talent and then help them get better. And I think that's, that's kind of getting lost. Uh, for the night, we try to find, and I hate to use this term, but it's, it's reality is like pros that are in high school. Mm -hmm. And when I say pros, the ones that like Stephen Wonder can say, well, he can hear <laughs> what they're doing on the court. Right. Because we're not trying to just get every player and not have them have success. And so that's what we're looking for now. But also gym rats and people who are chasing to be great yeah. athletes as opposed to chasing to have the most fame on social media. That don't work. Right. right, right. The followers don't translate to uh, no, NBA no. contracts. No, they did not. Uh -uh. Because on the other end, somebody want to see if them followers is real. <laughs> right. 
yeah. So I like that you uh, spoke to this, um, the development side yeah. is not happening. You know me, that's that's my bread and butter. It's yeah. like, at the end of the day, I don't care what a parent says, I'm getting this kid better. Yeah. That's what I've always been about. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I know a lot of coaches and trainers are about, mm-hmm. for the most part. Mm-hmm. But with the transfer portal, yeah. with um, just the way college basketball, the nature of it, which is there's nothing wrong with it, but coaches are going to go to that next level try to get that next job, mm-hmm. how can you truly develop a player? What does that look like in today for these coaches? We're talking to the coaches now. Yeah. What should that look like for a college coach? Well, it used to look mm-hmm. like I got a freshman. So, you know, he, if he's a league level freshman, obviously he, he going to find his way to the floor earlier. But I may have a freshman come in at 165, and by the time he leaves, he'll be 205. And so those type of uh, players in time has changed. And it's changed because it started from the top. Not the coaches. It started from like the ADs. Every AD wanted to win the championship early. So it subliminally puts pressure on these college programs. And so when that 165-pound freshman that used to come in 20 years ago, he had time to develop. Now if you're not hitting the ground running from day one, it's send him to the side and I'm going to the portal to get something better. And so it's just the, the hiring fire of college coaches now. So they get the anxiety to where they feel like they got to win um, every practice, every day. And so it's no more wait for kids anymore. And, you know, you become ostracized, you know, and then that's when, you know, these kids start going through these different stress-related uh, issues, and then they turn to substance abuse. It goes that fast. And so it's just what it is now. So it's rare that you get to develop anymore. And it's just unfortunate, man. I'm, I'm happy I didn't come up in the time um, this time right now when I play, I'm just so happy I didn't. Right. And so, I mean, it's more important for those middle school and high school development phases now yep. and those coaches to actually know what they're talking about Correct. and tr- teach it. Because I know there's a difference between the college game and the pro game. Yeah. But there's some fundamental skill sets that you can have that translate to both. And that's my biggest issue is that coaches teach what they learn, but not necessarily what they need to teach. Correct. If that makes sense. But I know when I started, I did whatever my junior college coach taught me. That's what I did. And it worked. It was good stuff. But then as I saw the game progress, I had to, oh, man, I need to learn from Chris Johnson. I need to learn from Drew Hamlin. I need to learn from Coach. Like, I need to see who who else is teaching and how they're teaching and having success developing their players where I can see a kid's getting better in two weeks. That's all it takes. Yeah. So. And that's what the key word you said was fundamentals, man. We got to have a fundamental base. And so for me now as a coach, coaching young players in the NBA pro world, they have to have a fundamental base because when pressure gets on them, they got to have something that's just fundamental and clean just to look good in the game. Forget a step back or <laughs> this or that. You got to be fundamentally sound. I just think that through the highlight mixtape world and, and right. it is what it is, we lose fundamental. That's why they're still traveling in college and pro. <laughs> right. Nobody stop home too no more and decide what pivot is going to be. And so we got to just get back to that. And that's why you're important to the culture with your program is teaching fundamentals. It may be boring, but it's how you stay in the game. Like the long game. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, going to that, we're going to take a quick break and look at our uh, our, our movie wall. Yeah, here, man. So yeah. uh, we like to see what, what's your favorite hoop movie yeah. of all time. Okay. Uh, well, my favorite hoop movie of all time, I watched it about 100 times, is, is Love and Basketball. <laughs> Um, cause it gave you a little bit, it, it kind of reminded me of my childhood, right? All the songs, I grew up off all the songs in this movie. Um, it was kind of filmed in my neighborhood, the Crenshaw district. And it was just, it had a lot to do with basketball, but it had the, the, the breakup of the parents. So that was reality back in the eighties when my parents broke up. And then you find love, you know, I'm still with my wife. She didn't play basketball, but it was through that childhood, early age level. And so I just think this movie is a, a real movie, and it's one of my favorites all time. You know, Quincy McCall. Yes, sir. The USC native. <laughs> yes, sir. So it was a great movie, man. I think it's uh, probably one of my best movies of all time, regardless of sports. Can you uh, say every word verbatim? Which well, in the movie, could you do the movie verbatim, every word? You think you can know every word? Well, I, I wouldn't word. know every word, but I, I know a lot of parts. <laughs> my wife would tell you that because I, I make a lot of parts uh, in my head. But, yeah, man, I, I watch the movie a lot. No, I've probably definitely seen that movie hundred plus times myself. Yeah. That's a it's a good one that I like to say, you know, I always say it's my top three. Okay. It's really hard for me to pick one actually. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's, it uh, depends on the season. I know, I watch Above the Rim a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just, 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 Above the Rim was like the <laughs> basketball Tupac Thug movie. Right. Blue Chips was something that we tried to aspire to be. That's what it used to be in college basketball, the recruiting, the paying. So now this is like NIL now. Right. So right. That movie is back for it. Yeah. Um, you got some good ones, man. Ray Allen, he got game was a good one. Yeah. Uh, my rookie teammate. And Joanna, man, with today's world. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. So, um, yeah, moving along. Um, what else? Um, I know you're uh, with the Black Coaches Association. Yes. You're president. Yes. Yeah, so president. Well, not president, board member. We board don't have member. an actual president yet. So I'm one of the board members who me and Pooh restarted the BCA. And so we've, we've been acting as a board mm-hmm. and we make our decisions together. We've been looking for a president for some time because we're all busy. So we're just trying to find somebody who can be committed daily. So we, we have a board and right. we make our decisions through our board. Awesome. And, and with the Black Coaches Association, I know you guys did um, some things at the Final Four Yep. Um, recently. Um, you guys are going to do some stuff at Summer League coming mm-hmm. up. Uh, what what's the overall goal? You know, I've, I've been sitting in on the meetings and listening and watching everything. What's the overall goal, and what can coaches do to get um, connected and and use that as a resource? Um, so we have a, a mailing list of over twenty five hundred, and so we try to mail out to all coaches and update on what's going on for the state of black coaches. The overall goal is to educate and enlighten people on the the low numbers of. Um, Black head coaches in sports, period. And it's all sports from, from not just basketball, but like we're talking about swimming, volleyball, yeah. and every sport, softball in college. And so we want to educate people through numbers and statistics and show the disparity. And then we try to educate AD search firms on why. Why is these things happening? And so, you know, our, our goal is to, you know, inspire young coaches and, you know, make them chase their dream and become the coach. Um, I left college because I couldn't get a job, so I'm a part of those statistics. Mm. So I had to go another way, um, and then and so with the BCA starting prior to me leaving, um, I was one of them statistics man where we couldn't get a job. So I, let's start something to educate people, um, so this won't happen to the future coming right. behind me. So I may take a bullet by telling you this is wrong, but I know people behind me is going to have a better yes. chance at making it happen. And so I really, I, that's what I'm standing up for, and that's why we're going to start the program. No, that's awesome. I see uh, the opportunity just to have mentors, right? Yeah. Connect with people who want want to mentor people yeah. with, um, you know, just that all the resources that can come together in that one place. Mm-hmm. Just, um, things of just hearing, you know, George George Raveling talk, come and speak to us. Like, how, like what, is, what is this? Is it yeah. a random Thursday night or whatever yeah. it was? And like, yeah. just those opportunities to get that as a resource and to understand that this is more than just X's and O's. Right. And and all I heard mostly from the, the coaches who were at the highest levels was that, man, this is about character. Right. <laughs> this is about building yourself, about your personal development mm-hmm. and um, how important those things are, especially today because of how our, how the kids are raised, yep. you know, parents are at work and building their personal brands and just a different climate to where these kids are missing some life and interpersonal skills that they will need to be successful when they go into college by themselves. Right. And, you know, one thing to piggyback off that is, like, we don't have those coaches anymore. Those are the George Ravelins, the, the John Thompson. Those are, like, the father figure. Mm-hmm. You know, it, that, that is gone. Um, and it's sad. It's a sad time because... You know, to me, and this is my opinion, every every player now that comes in college is just a number. Mm-hmm. When I say a number with the portal, you know, if, if you got one through 13, if 10 ain't good enough, then we're going to get rid of 10 and replace it with another 10. Yeah. So now you become, as a coach, black or white, you become part of this cycle to where you shuffling kids in and out. And it's almost like you can't care. You can't hug them to love them. Right. They're numbers. Yeah. And so you're going to have transfers and you're going to have transfer portal because once an individual don't feel no love and they're smart enough to know what's going on, they're going to they leave. Right. And some of them leaving because they don't feel the love, but then 60% leaving because they tell you to leave. Exactly. Yeah, and so that's the, the part that 
people like, oh, why is this kid entering the portal? Because literally had a kid yesterday tell me that they had a coach switch at the school. He told, hey, we're going to let you guys know in a few days what we want to do, who we're considering keeping. He said, we don't want nobody. Yeah. Whole team. A whole is a Division two level school. Whole team gone. Whole team gone. So figure your life out. You right. know what I mean? And so when you tell me to figure my life out, right, and I, lay and I, and I become 25 years old, when I see you again, how do you think that, that – that interaction is going to be, hey, how you doing? You remember me? Right. No, it's going to be met with aggression and anger. Right. And you're not going to have time for that as a coach. But I, that's been boiling in me for seven years. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have an angry generation of men, right? Because as coaches, we're going to get older. Look, I'm great. So these guys are going to go get bigger, stronger, and faster. And so the days of coaching and speaking to young men and assistant coaches uh, my, it's my slogan for people who know me. I'm going to talk to you like we're in a dark alley, regardless of position. So mm. a lot of times you may have a head coach, talk to the assistant coach, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, if you talk to me all the time as if we're in a dark alley, that kind, it won't be like that. You're going to have my back, I'm going to have yours. Mm. But when we come in the public, that's how it should be with our players as well. And so, you know, ain't nobody really tough in basketball. It's just you can coach somebody hard. But don't nobody really try to get to the physical side of it. And that's the aspect we lost, man. We talking people crazy. Yes. No, I've heard that from um from players who are at, you know, some high level schools that that's what they took away. How was your experience? That coach was crazy. I can't believe how he talked to other people around him. And he wasn't talking to the kids. Like he coached the kids hard and they, you know, but the way he spoke to the scorekeeper. The way he spoke, and it's like, yo, these are people who preach, and it's the people who are preaching. Oh, I want high character kids, and but man, these kids are gonna do, or they're gonna what they're they're gonna perceive you by what they see, not what you say, and um, it's it just baffles me, man. I just I hope it's like this. Like I know I, this is all I speak about is your character development within basketball. I always connect it back to basketball, but my views ain't nowhere close to when somebody on there. You know, giving somebody buckets, cussing them out, or showing them a move when it's easy to go look up a move. Yeah. <laughs> it's easy to go get training nowadays. Yeah. You go in anywhere and go get training. Yeah. But these are the pieces that people are missing, and it's like the kids are blind to it. Mm-hmm. Some of them, even when I tell them, hey, you should operate like this in this arena. This is how you, yes, coach, no coach. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, when you come in the gym, be ready to go. Jersey tucked in, toes on the line. Like, all that little stuff I'm saying, you're going to stick out because nobody else does it. Right. And they look at me crazy, and I'm like, just do it one time. Yeah. Watch what happens. Right. When they do, they're like, I get it now, coach. You know, it's like, where is that demand from the parents? And so, you are you always have my back. Like, when, when Jay was in the program, these parents aren't holding these kids accountable at home now. Mm-hmm. And so, when they come to us to get coached and try to understand the game, they don't even listen to us. They don't got to listen to nothing at home. Right? Like, they don't have any chores. They have no responsibilities. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and it's like, how how am I supposed to help your kid? You want me to help your kid understand basketball, but he don't even understand how to clean his room. Yeah. And it starts at home, and, and it's not a knock on parents. Yeah. It's just like, if you want to allow me to teach them that, allow me to teach them. Don't get mad when they come back like, coach was tripping. Yeah. He wanted me to do this, and I got my step back. Right. It's tough, man. It's, it's, I mean, again, like parents, you know, they, they get an anxiety because nowadays, you got to think, man, I'm from Los Angeles, California. So when we came up, if you got a letter, you went crazy. So fast forward to 2023, like the dude over there is going to the NBA. So getting a letter is like, you know, I want more. I want more offers. Like back then, you didn't start getting recruited until the end of your 11th grade. You didn't get no offer in the seventh grade, eighth grade. <laughs> and so, like, we got offered scholarships by phone calls, and that it was like real recruiting in terms of like seriousness. Yeah. And so, the my mom and dad was at work, like they wasn't minding and meddling in my basketball yeah. journey. So now parents, man, to you know, to their credit and to their fault, they see little Craig over there going to the NBA and they son just as good. So they don't they don't understand and know no more. It's like there's no it's the NBA is a real thing now. So like you're gonna have more parents meddling and and, and being parent friends with the kids. Right. Cause they want to make sure they stay in their blessings and get some money at the end of the day. 
<laughs> now I could be wrong. I'm speaking from mm-hmm. from how I feel, but yeah. like at the end of the day, um, you got like homie parent or friend parenting. Yes, that's it. I I, I uh, experienced a kid calling their dad by their nickname. Yeah, and like during a workout session, and I'm like, yeah, nah, like nah. I, I had to stop it. I'm like, hey man, hey around me, you call him right. dad. Like, when a kid calls me by my name and then say coach in front of it, right. I'm like, hey, nah, I know your parent calls me Todd. They are allowed to. They're yeah. adult. Yeah. It's coach Todd. Yeah. And I was like, because I want you to do that on the next level. I want Boundaries. You to, and it's, I'm not your homie. I'm here to help you do something and get better and hold you accountable and teach you discipline no and, and structure because you're going to need it one day. Mm-hmm. You may not... You may not know that you need it until you need it. And when we send our when we send our players to these different colleges and we teach them everything you said, you know, the, the respect for the coaching, the respect this and coach this and coach that, we got to give them the same yes. as, as the coaches. Right. We can't be on no, we too high to, to, to shag balls or rebound or not give respect. It got to be the same. Yeah. Because, again, this talent that I'm sending you, somebody love him and yeah. we'll kill for them. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you got kids, you, you love your kids enough to where you'll try to hurt somebody if they do something to yours. So we got to understand, got to be respectful on both sides. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. I, that's who. Because I'm going to send you mine. I'm going to send you mine or the, the next person going to send you theirs. Respectful on time. They're going to make some mistakes. That's normal. But like, um, you got we got to get the same. got to get back to making it even. Mm-hmm. Because if not, you know, you're going to have an angry parent. That's why I got a portal and they, you know, it's, you move on, but sometimes people don't. Right. So you're in an interesting position with the G League Ignite yeah. because you are dealing with it's a mixture of of, of pros. Mm-hmm. Some who are seven sixteen was was we just signed school came at seventeen. School came at seventeen. We just signed a kid that's seventeen now. He turned seventeen in March. So just like, turned seventeen. Just turned seventeen. So so school you, that just turned seventeen too. Man, so he just turned with the kids. Wait, he just turned seventeen. No, school when he, when came, he came in, us, he came like, about to be September, <laughs> no August, but he was turned seventeen that February. Wow. So when we got there, he was seventeen. Dealing with teenagers, mm-hmm. and then who's the the oldest on your team is thirty. This this, this year, the oldest on the team was Pooh, who was thirty nine. Thirty nine. So when Pooh got to the team last year, thirty eight. Scoop was seventeen. He was twenty one years older than him. So you're dealing with a wide range, and yep. of course, I know those vets are there to help. You yep. know, develop and train those kids, but also. You're able to see from when when little Jay was in high school two years ago, one year ago, however long that was, that development curve from that, from when you were at USC and to now in the G League, what would you say is the biggest difference from high school to high-level college to G League? Well, so from high school, man, like Rod Strickland always said, you know, talent don't have no age. And so, like, Kobe demonstrated that when he got drafted at 17, he was able to, you know, on, you only can foul so many times. So when you get a young player that's skinny, you foul foul, where well, you gonna foul out? Right. And so one of the things we tell to the parents, like, yeah, you, they want to get them stronger, but the talent level is gonna always win out. Mm. Um, and so from from that high school to, to to college, like Evan Mobley in particular, he was good in high school, good in college, good there. He would have did the same thing with the night the G right, right. with just that talent. So the elite one is gonna always shine because they're just different. Right, and I wasn't one of those elite ones. I had to go to college for four years, but the basketball I'm dealing with a 17 year old right on the roster with a 38 year old. It made me a my first year being a head coach made me a better coach wherever I go. If I go back to college, because how I talk to Pooh, 39, and the 17 year old, I'm talking to them the same. So mm-hmm. I'm giving Pooh the same respect because Pooh is married with kids, <laughs> wife in the right. crowd, kids running around, and so I'm coaching Pooh the same way I'm coaching um, school. Uh, Temperature-wise, and my voice, and how I'm teaching, yeah. you get their level of respect. And so, it, I, and in in college, you you yank a dude out. I'm not yanking Pooh out, 39 years old. I'm not yanking uh, Meek out or Mir Johnson played the league 15 years, right? right? So I'm not yanking my babies out. I'm talking to them the same way. Mm-hmm. And so it's in the pro coaching is respect. That's why you watch a pro game, you don't see the coach going crazy, but somebody make a mistake. Because what you going to scream at Dylan Brooks or LeBron, what are you doing? <laughs> right. So in college, you can do that. And so it taught me how to coach everybody the same with tone in my words. And that's something that, you know, obviously I needed, obviously, because it was my first year at the pro level. But it taught me that you can get the same out of everybody. You can talk to them the same. Mm. And you think that can be adapted to the high school level and to the college level? 
I mean, I, I'm coaching high school. I'm coaching. So one of these teams in the NCAA tournament, they, had, they played with their team like 25 years old. That was older than mine. I'm coaching <laughs> 17, 18, 17, 18 year olds. So, right. And then I'm not getting them ready for like the national championship. I'm getting them ready to go play against um, their reality. Damian Lillard, Steph Curry. Right. And so, that, so the stakes are higher. Yeah. I know we want to win a championship for the school that lasts forever, but like these dudes are preparing to play against these guys, so they got to be ready. So, you know what I mean? How do you get through to them and let them know? So that's relationship building. Like, really, like, Karen. Yes. Like, damn, you all right, man? We got to go eat lunch. Yeah. It's not like uh, I got to put them off to the assistants because, um, you know, it's, their life's on the line in terms of, like, their career. Not their life, their career. So, I got to get to know these guys. They're true one and dones. But how I speak to them keeps them confident. Yeah. I don't want them dudes out there playing on the court uh, nervous and scared. A lot of times, we as coaches, we defend our players before they even play in the game. Mm. You hear this terminology when you're in college. Um, man, this ain't high school. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. No, me, I'm telling man, do it. Let me see it. And then I let them figure out it don't work. Uh, then they be like, damn, coach, that move, I got to work on that. Yeah, I already knew that, but I'm going to let you see if you, you can do it. I do that with my daughter right now. You got to, man. It's like, because people want to protect and coddle and don't do this, don't do this. I'm like, no, jump off that table. Yeah. I'm like, hey, I told my, my wife, hey, she's like, no, let, let her keep jumping. Yeah. She won't fall. She gonna understand what it is, yeah. and what she's gonna be better. Now she's a freaking gymnast, dang near, because she didn't, she didn't figure it out. Right. She knows how to operate in that. And I ask her every day, "Would you make? Would you fail at today? Would you make a mistake?" And I celebrate it. Mm-hmm. Oh, you made it. You messed up. Did you try again? Yes. Yeah. You'll hear her say, um, uh, "Keep trying. Keep right. trying." And it's something I, I tell these kids and these and these high school coaches Ooh. Mm-hmm. with the old school mentality of, "You make a mistake, get out." What is that? Man, like, what did you teach? Oh, he has to. You only learn by the bench. No, you can't learn sitting down. You can, you can watch some film. We can watch some film together. And yes, the bench can be something where you're going to teach them and teach them and put them back in the game. Right. But if you're not letting them play through their mistakes and correcting them, they ain't learn. They're never ever developed. So just imagine if I was doing like school Henderson like that in front of Pat Riley. <laughs> All the opportunities would be gone. That's what I'm saying. And so like. I'm, you 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 will come out after mistake, but it's like, come over here, man. Ah, 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 mm-hmm. right? Don't, you know what I'm saying? Get better from that. You just, ah. But we, I can't do that because, again, when, we, when I came in the house and I told your mom or dad that this is how we're going to use this, how we're going to get better, I got to stick by that. I got to stand on that. Right. You know what I mean? I'm not a car salesman telling you about the sunroof and this and that. I got to really stand on what I said. So it, it, for me, mm-hmm. I like that. It holds me, it holds me to my truth. So help me here. When college coaches do that, yeah. they go into a kid's house and tell them, mm-hmm. hey, this is what I'll have for your kid. Yeah. This is what it's going to be like. Mm-hmm. And they renege on that word. I'm a space player. I hope y'all know what reneging is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and they renege on that word. What's the explanation to the parent on the, in the college level specifically? Because that's where I hear about it the most. Well, in today's, in today's world, the world, the word you now, that's cap. Mm-hmm. It's a cap salesman, right? Because... Their job is to get the most talented players, right? Period. Regardless of position, whether you got one point guard, you're going to go get three, mm-hmm. and they think it's fight it out, right? So fight it out means somebody's going to lose, and when that person loses, we'll get rid of him and get somebody else. But when it's reneged, it's like, if you got some kind of compassion, I'm coming to your house, then I, I, I know it's a responsibility to try to get you better. But if you flat out lie, don't right. get mad when I'm hating on you in the streets. Yeah. So, you can't get mad. Like if I just came to your house and flat out lied to you, and then you don't you don't honor what you said. If I'm talking about you in the streets to whatever AU program, the title, whatever, you can't get mad. But if you get mad, come see me. Right. Come talk about it. Come see, and we we don't and don't got to be in a professional setting. So obviously the college where you're in a professional setting, but when I'm in, you don't get mad. You cannot. <laughs> we can't have both sides. No. That's and I was on, and I was on that side. And I tell everybody when I was at USC, man, I can't lie to you because I'm never leaving LA. You're gonna catch me at Harris Christian. You're gonna catch me at the mall. I'm not leaving, so you're not gonna come up to me and ambush me because I didn't lie to you. Right, right. And so that was my whole pitch in recruiting prospects from Southern California. I'm not leaving, so you and I'm not leaving LA. <laughs> so you know, I, that that was one of my pitches. But like, yeah, man, it's uh, it's it's a lot of cap recruiting, and that's why you have a lot of players. Um, leaving, man. It's, it's, the, it's the way of the world, man. Who who really cares about the truth when I'm just trying to get something for me? Then my question is this, and if it's possible, I know it takes, it's going to take a lot. Mm-hmm. How do we fix all this? 
Man, you know what? I think it starts with it starts with dialogue. I think a lot of people don't know. Man, I'm pretty sure um, from like the coach's point of view, he under pressure. And then the kid, um, uh, they they have their own anxiety. So I think it'd be a lot of uh, recruiting off that paper. Yep. So <laughs> yes. you, you you go recruit off that paper with somebody's opinion who had never played, and you put a list together, and maybe the coach said, oh, he's the number four player. Let me go get him. He wasn't four worthy, mm-hmm. right? And so... Um, I want to speak to that. Yeah. I, I literally heard yeah. a parent call a recruiting service mm-hmm. right in front of me and said, hey, so-and-so should be probably top 30. You made that list and you're not on it. It's like a top 100 list. Mm-hmm. Literally said, yo, he should be in the top 30. 10 minutes later, he's number 28. Yeah. Just well, like that. Well, if I, a phone call yeah, that, from a parent. That's crazy. From a parent. And I'm like, oh, this recruiting game, this, this ranking game is Cause man, you can start our own scout service, right? And we can do what we want to do. So that's that's what it is. But sometimes a lot of college coaches, you know, probably go off that, yeah, and really believe that because it's it's evident that's what happened. Because look at the NCAA tournament. I tweeted um, the term low major, high major, low low major, mid major, high major. That term is cap. I tweeted that during the NCAA yeah. tournament because FAU, yeah. San Diego State, okay. all these schools that y'all. You know, these kids don't want to go to. They're, they're beating all these guys. And they're not, it's not Cinderella. They're just winning games. Right. So when we use that term, like, I I, I don't, I stopped recruiting that way before I even left college. Don't tell me who a low major. Mm-hmm. Low major means, if you tell me this kid is really good, he's averaging 29, but he's low major, that means he's probably not ready day one for a power five or by a sophomore, junior, and he's ready. Exactly. That's and all that means. see the potential. How, how do you reap potential? I think this is the biggest mm-hmm. Thing that I see with a lot of high school coaches yeah. is like they see a kid play their freshman year and sophomore year. I'm like, oh, they're this person. Right. Like, no, Jawan Harris Dyson, you've seen it. Yeah. And, and when he was at one school, he was a foreman, and mm-hmm. the development of who he was as a player and a person just wasn't there at right. that time. He came over to us, all of a sudden, he's a guard, can lock up anybody, grabbing the ball off the rim, dunking on everybody. Because I'm like, look at the potential of this kid. Because he wake up every day and get in the gym at 6 a.m. It had nothing to do with his athleticism. I've seen athletic kids. I've seen fast kids. No. He said he'll wake up every day and work out at 6 a.m. Now I can do something with it. Yeah. How, how, do you, how do you see potential in somebody? What do you look for? So I look for uh, two. Man, I'm also a thing. I want to give a number. But one of them is toughness. Right, you got to see what their toughness is because obviously their body's not developed, and then they're, they're willing to drive. Like, are they willing to do the six a.m. every single day after a good game or bad? Mm-hmm. Right, and then do they have a, a skill that you see can translate to Division One or NBA? And if it is, you can see potential. But the word potential means need work. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if I have, if I have a kid, and I and all our kids are potential draft picks. That means they need work. Yeah. So, you know, they're not in school. So the work is two-a-days, skill before, skill after, specific skill. And I think college used to do potential. Mm-hmm. We talked about that earlier. Like, his freshman, he ain't, by the time he's a sophomore or junior. But nowadays, they, they don't, they, a college coach is not afforded the time to wait. Right. That's where, that's where your portal come in. Right. And so, um, it's just, I can take potential kids. I don't think college coaches is looking for potential kids. They're looking for a freshman to come in 6'10", 230, boxing out, running, ready to go. Ready to go. Ready to go. Is there, well, so and when we talk about colleges, because I, I think this is, speaks to the to the FAUs and schools like that of the world, there are some schools that still do that. Yeah. And that's why they're competing. Yeah. It's just the majority of the high majors yeah. and the, the blue blood schools almost, right, mm-hmm. um, where you don't see that type of development mm-hmm. and they're already ready. And yeah. There's, I think there's a, a that's good mm-hmm. in a way that these kids are prepared to play in college for sure, mm-hmm. um, but they they're missing a whole like you can't skip steps. That's, no, that's, man, Chris Johnson preaches that you can't. We we were able to this is four years ago or so. Um, work out LeBron. Yeah, I remember. And blackout. I mean, I like out COVID. It was. Right before COVID, though. This was right before. And then in COVID as well. Our first workout workout with LeBron looked the exact same as our first workout with Darius Baisley, who wasn't drafted yet. 
you can't skip steps. Yep. Chris Johnson is like, yo, our first workout always looks like this. We got to see where they're at. Now, based on how good they do, we can you know, yeah. advance it and, and progress it and all those things, but you can't skip steps. And I think that college development piece, and that's what you're doing now with the G League. That's what it looks like OTE is kind of doing. It's like, okay, that's stuff that you would get in college. We got to get at these other places now. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it, it loses opportunities for some kids. Mm-hmm. Some kids are, I think, how many? 120, 150 names have entered the draft? No, the, the, yesterday the list was 234. It's only 60 picks. Well, it's, 50, it's 58 picks because two was oh, 450. Two, which is crazy. They yeah. should have done that. But yeah, so six. Well, it's two or four because teams is doing some. Right, so that's, I don't think that, that's that's taking away from the kids, not the teams. They should charge them. I, I understand it. They should find the teams. Totally right? get it, but like that team knew not to do it, so that messed with the opportunity for a kid. So that team not really tripping that kid. That's wild. That's, that's, but like what you said about yeah. that, maybe like with the skill development, maybe like all coaches, like because you can get to a college and just like know what you know and that's it. Man, I'm, I watched Chris Johnson work. I seen y'all get in at six in the morning. I'm over there watching this. Okay, I'm, st- I'm still in that. Mm-hmm. I watch Rico. I watch Thomas Scott. Yeah. You know what I mean? Then I I, I go to a Clipper practice and, and watch T. Lou from afar. I turn on the TV and watch Eric Spoelstra, body language and how he doing. I'm studying. So like mm-hmm. as a, as a head coach now, but prior to as a skill developer coach, because that's what we all are, even the head coach. I'm watching do- how you get dudes better. Yes. You know, I ain't seen Clint Parks in the gym work with his guys. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I ain't, so I'm going to try to watch everybody because I'm still trying to develop as a coach. But more importantly, I'm trying to get you better. Yes. Definitely. And if I get you better, then we can build a relationship. Yes. I'm still shagging the G. I'm still shagging boss. Come on, man. You got your 10 in town. I'm still doing that. And I'm always going to be a skill developer coach because I think that's the most genuine way you can get to know this talent. Yeah. If you too good to rebound, even as a head coach, and you can't do it no more, you can't move, you shouldn't be doing it. Man. That's man. my opinion. <laughs> if you can't move and like yes. rebound and like to man, meet me in the gym at nine, I don't need no assistant, I don't need no no manager, I'm a rebound and pass. If you can't, you shouldn't be doing it. Why are you doing it? Yes. To tell me, we got too many tell me's. Yes. Tell me, tell me. No, show me. Show me. Do we have any show me's? And then when you show me, okay, so like the Popovich rule, I'm gonna teach you everything in training camp because I expect you know nothing. Hmm. So when you say like these, we need more high school coaches that's teaching, man, I'm a, when you get to college, I'm going to teach you the USC way or the Duke way or the Kansas way from the yes. jump so you'll know from the beginning. Yes. You know? Yeah, like you just said, Chris, do we do a self-evaluation, which we do too. He don't got the left hand, out of shot off, right hand, got what? You just, you seeing what they don't have and then we yes. go from here. Now, you can definitely see the growth. I've been able to work with a lot of players who went through G League. Yeah. Uh, um, Marjan. Yeah. Jaden with the, the pre-draft stuff. Yeah. Um, who else was in there? There's somebody else in there um, that I've seen. But you can see how much they improved. And it wasn't – it's almost – their demeanor just changes. Yeah. It's their demeanor of how serious they are when they enter the gym and how serious they take their craft. The focus in their eyes when they shoot. And I keep, all right, man. Look at my boy Hardy, though. Y'all, and y'all did a job. But, like, he got dinged up because he was young with me, and he was developing. So yes. I let him play through all the mistakes. Remember everybody mm-hmm. saying he don't know how to do this and how to do that? Right. He learning. Yes. The G is a developmental thing. Yes. Now he's doing the right things with Jason Kidd. He went 37. And I'm not afraid to say that. Jaden Hardy wasn't supposed to go 37. It's right. obvious. Right. It's obvious. <laughs> and so maybe them teams is drafting off the list, too. Maybe they looking at the mic draft. Right, because now Jaden Hardy is looking like he shouldn't have been thirty-seven. No, absolutely, they get they get it wrong every year. They get it wrong every year. Don't act like you're perfect. Then. Don't walk in the gym act like you're perfect because your outfit is different from mine. Right, right. It's basketball. It's cool. We all make mistakes, right? Yes. Stop trying to act like you up here because you the NBA. It's still a round ball. I'm just saying this is still a round ball at the end of the day, and it's being dribbled in every ghetto and every this and that. So. Every when it gets to there, it's already been dribbled somewhere else. So right. somebody was developing it over here. And not even that. Like, you played for 10 years? Yes. You played for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the, the other part, too, is I think I love that more players, former players, are getting to coaching. Yeah. Development, college coaching. Yeah. I see it all, all over. Um, that 
that is important because, like you said, there's a lot of people who love basketball, who work for basketball, that don't actually know, who yeah. don't actually see, who don't actually have a feel mm -hmm. for what it really takes to be there for 10 years. Were you 6'2"? Yep. 6'2", guard, 10 years in the league. Mm -hmm. that, that's tough to do. And, no and so, man, for me now, it's so important that I do build a relationship with my players coming in. It's opposite to college. I got because... I got to tell you, like, man, you had the ball your whole time in high school. Now you may get drafted to step. You ain't going to have it. Or you may be going to John Morant. Or you're going to play with Milwaukee. You got to learn these other things more than ever now. Right. We don't got no time to be waiting. And so I got to, we got to kind of have a good form of communication. Mm -hmm. It's not a dictatorship. You, I'm big country, you small. We got to be on the eye to eye. Right. Because I'm trying to help your dreams come true. Yep. And once they figure that part out, they allow you in. Yeah. And like, dang, coach, you right. And so, you know, uh, Hardy is learning the now. He playing with Kyrie and Luca. He's having the ball his whole life. Yep. I got to play off somebody. The world ain't over. <laughs> right. And that's how we try to teach him. We try to get him ready for that NBA position um, at the night. And it works better because they know now. They see it like, ah, I get it. Yeah. And we talked about it a little bit earlier before well, the show is that what's the difference maker from all these lottery picks playing right away in the NBA or being down in the G League. What's the difference? Well, it's, it's understanding who you are. The NBA is so huge on that, man. You can be 17, 18 years old. They just want to know, do you know who you are? Yeah. And knowing who you are, do you know what type of player you are? You can't come in like, I'm a point guard and I'm going to get drafted to go to state and I might have ball in my hands. I have to pass on you. Right. And you got to know that at an early age because they're drafting 19-year-olds. Yeah. And so I think the most important thing is knowing who you are early so you can fit in. And so the kid from Santa Clara surprised everybody. Yeah. He was supposed to go top three. He was defending second in the rookie year, Jalen Williams. Yeah, yeah. He was cold, yeah. right? He went to Santa Clara, WCC. You know how I many coaches probably passed up on him? Mm -hmm. He was a high major, obviously, in 11th grade. Yes. He went to Santa Clara. But he finished number two in rookie of the year behind Paolo. Yes. They went to two different schools. Yeah, two different roads to getting to where they were at. He knew who he was as a rookie. Yeah. And his defensive versatility, which is what you just spoke to <laughs> earlier, is that the difference maker is the defense. And what what is that what does that mean by playing defense? Is it being athletically capable or is it more to it? Athletically capable is always a great thing. It's know how, know where I need to be, when I need to be there, and on time, all the time. Yeah. And so like Eric Spostra or uh Bud, Bud over at Milwaukee or T. Lou, it's tough to play young guys because, you know, defensively, they normally not in the right spots. If you're in the right spots, they can mess with you. It's learning that whole thing. Yeah. And so we do a lot of skill work, which is great. They need that. But we need to start teaching defensive skill work mm -hmm. for sure yeah. because I'm in the G League. I'm seeing the, 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 the ninth pick and down is with me. All season from whatever team. So if I play the Wizards, the 10th yeah. pick was there. If I play, I play OKC, the 13th pick was there. I play the Golden State, the second pick was there. Wiseman and Moody, the third. I, I see. So you got to think though, even though they get drafted that high, they not if they don't play, they come. I'm, I see them all. Yeah. And so the main thing is being down there, understanding, you know, defensively of what these teams need and what they want. So it's. That's the thing for young players is the defensive side of the basketball, for sure. Yeah. And the ones who do understand it, you see them less in the G. There you go. That makes sense because you see people getting buckets in the G League, averaging 30, 25, all, all that. And I'm like, dang, how come they ain't getting caught up? Because there's people who can't score in the NBA. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at defensive specialist guys, mm -hmm. and it's like, oh, that's really why they're on the team is they don't even care if they shoot. Yeah. They really want – the defense. Yeah, and, and you, you know they go down there and, and put that work in because they're talented. But shoot, if like um, I don't know, a kid like Brandon Boston, killing the G League two years. Yeah. But when you go back to the Clippers, is that they need him to shoot twenty times a game with Paul and uh, Kawhi. Right. So he probably like it's an identity crisis for him. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not he didn't do nothing wrong. It's just that the situation. Right, man. It's, and it's his role for that moment. And growing out of that, I, I look at uh, Jeremy Grant, who slowly grew into this position yep. where he is now. He's um, just a young, playing defense, rebounding, 
you know, dunking and uh, representing the Philly. And then now he's just keep on progressing. Now he's oh, he can go. He he has more to him. Right when it's the the big the third contract coming, and so Kawhi did it. You forget the San Antonio Kawhi. I don't know, but, but, but you you know basketball. Yeah. But like he, he, when he came in, he was a really good defender. Stole the ball, was always locking everybody up, rebounding, and then he grew to that. Yeah, the defense builds to trust in the coach. Mm-hmm. That's all he's a yeah, coach. He right. he, when I put him in the game, yeah, then it's gonna grow because now if you, you he put you on the court because your defense is crazy. Now you make some corner threes. Now you start doing some other stuff. Now they're like, oh, he can do this too. Because they still can't take you off the court because your defense. Yeah. So. Love that. Yeah. Love that. Um, all right. So this is a segment of our show we like to call My Rushmore. Okay. It's uh, your Rushmore, your top four. If you had a Mount Rushmore. Okay. And uh, you chose this. The top four point guards of all time. Mm-hmm. Who are you going with? Who are your four? Ooh. So my top four point guards. This is my. M-Y. My. I gotta go with Magic Johnson okay. from LA. He he uh he he put the smile on everybody's face when we was growing up as kids. Um, two, it's a guy named Isaiah Thomas. Okay. Zeke, you know, he's one of the coldest that ever picked up the ball, ball handling point guards, you know, for Kyrie and Sim. Mm-hmm. Uh three, I'm gonna go with a guy named Stephen Curry. I mean, I can't knock what he's doing. Right. We ain't never seen right. that. You know what I mean? And I know he won more champs than Isaiah, but I'm just going Isaiah Dogmas and the era he played in. And then for my fourth point guard, I'm going to go with a guy named Gary Payton. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that how he played the point guard position defensively, defensively, he probably be one of the best defensive point guards, you know, I don't want to say of all time, but one of definitely the best to go down. And so his game was his way. And if you look at all them guys, they all were different. And so, those are my top five in their primes point guards that nobody could mess with. I like that. All yeah. right. So, you put me on the spot. There this you is go. going to be tough. All right. And this might not be in order. It's not in no, order. No, no, no. You got to put in top. order, man. I got to put. No, no, no. Why it's not? A, it's because it's a Mount Rushmore. No, it's, but the, it's the four. Nah. <laughs> all these, you a podcast, so you got to be able to say some stuff that people may not oh, like. No, I'm about to piss some people off. All I'm right. pissing right. people right. off. Here, let all me right. say my four, and then I'll put them in order. Okay, cool. Okay. So, one. Ooh, one. Say one. My first one. Oh, the first one. Okay. My first one. Okay. My first one, I'm going to go with Magic. Okay. Um, his ability to play the game the way he did and do what he did, the magic that he had, and to make his teammates better is un- just unmatched. Right. Like, I just, watching his highlights are wild to me. Next, I got Jay Kidd. Okay. Because of he did a little bit of everything. Yes, he did. He can and he I don't he literally has eyes on his neck or something. Like this man would see stuff before it happened. Mm-hmm. Once again, made everybody around him better. Right. Um now I'm too young to remember Isaiah. Okay. And so That's fine. So I'm not gonna put him up there. I, I need to go watch film. Mm-hmm. That's on me. Steve Nash. Okay. I believe the modern point guard was built off of how Steve Nash played the game. I think he opened the door for a lot of guys to have the ball in their hands more mm-hmm. and make the reads and um, reading the pick and roll and the oops. Now, I'm not saying nobody else didn't do it before, yeah, but his, his, his style, I think, led to that. And so I got some respect for Nash. My final one. Oh, man, this is tough. This is tough. Now, there's a there's oh. an asterisk there's an asterisk with Curry. Okay. Because I'm on the the new new wavelength of um, my boy Rashad Phillips of yep. he's more of a hybrid guard. Yeah. And so I think his style is different. I don't think he's a straight point guard okay. because of his ability. So Steph Curry is number one in the hybrid guard section. Of course. I say it like that. It's a straight point guard though. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go with GP. I'm gonna have to go with GP as well. His defensive. I don't know if there's anybody better at talking mess yeah. ever yeah. and backing it up mm-hmm. and the era that he played in mm-hmm. and what he brought as well. Um, and he'll put you in that post real quick. Yeah. <laughs> put you in that post real quick. So that's that's my rush more. You got a good four. Yeah, that's, that's it's uh, 
I hope to, I think the Steve Nash one pisses some people. Are we in LA where you know he won some MVPs where Kobe yeah, should have won? Yeah. Them, but it's true. hey, but he was a good player though. We can't we can't knock him. Yeah, you know, we can't we can't knock him. And so that's a that was a good group. Yeah, yeah. You see who? So if your group, Steve Nash was the one that didn't win the championship. Right. Uh, uh Gary Payton. Gary Payton won as an older player with D Wade. But he that's right. Oh man, he was old. Man, yeah, I forgot about that. He did win. But it's it's all about um, taste and fit and what you like. And like Jordan said, I was looking at the old clip. He said, you can't never say who the GOAT because he was like, he didn't get a chance to play against Will. Right. And Jack Nicholson didn't get a chance to play against Tiger Wood in golf. So it's it's good that we have these debates. But yeah. we'll never know who is truly the best or whatever. Because if they didn't get to go head up with each other, how can we? Like you said, you didn't see Isaiah. Right. I did. Mm-hmm. So that will make your list not as important as my list. Right. So yeah. we shouldn't be arguing who better LeBron or Michael Jordan. Like a kid no, that don't make sense to me. A kid that was born 14 years ago is gonna say Jordan. I mean uh, LeBron. All day. Yeah. Born forty five years ago, you're gonna say Jordan. Right. You just do it by the age. Yeah. Yeah no, I think every generation has their goats. No and question. I think, and I think there's more than one because the game is so large. like like this is worldwide now. It's worldwide. And so well, boxing, who's better, uh, Muhammad or, or, or Floyd? My son didn't watch Muhammad. All right, but, yeah, the power in which that man has outside of boxing. Make him. Right, like, that's that's some goat stuff. That's how I feel. That's some goat stuff. But somebody born in 2000. Because Floyd can make it rain. Like he, he somebody got born in the year 2000 or 1998, 97, 96. Mm-hmm. They don't know the impact of Muhammad on why they live, especially the African. Karina, who's your who's your favorite Muhammad? See? Oh, so you know though. I was born in '88, but I like the history and the reasons why. She so wasn't ready to do research. Yeah, you deep. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's okay. why I love Isaiah Thomas. Bad yeah. boys, like they're legendaries. No so. question. But Muhammad, we gotta argue. He may be the most in sports. Period. Period. For what he yeah. did and what he stood for. Like we'll never have a dude say. uh, I'm not going over here, and I'm going to give up. In today's world, it'd be like a quarter of a billion. Man, what? They ain't even, we so like selfish world society now, we would never give up nothing. And that's what I was saying about the BCA. Us starting the BCA may make some people mad, but when they come to this culture stuff, forget it, I'll take the bullet so the next group have opportunities yes. and not get done. Like me, that's a whole other story, not one black coach in the Pac-12. So, for, for how many years now? Ten years now? Well, no, 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 no. Uh, who just got uh, Joaquin Jones was the last one? Oh, that's right. That's out. Yeah. Okay, that's right. Um, there was there was something. There's two things I have to ask about because we're here, and so we got to talk about them. One, uh, who you got going to the finals mm-hmm. in this current playoffs? Man, you know I'm a, I ain't gonna front. I played in the NBA however many years I played, and you know I'm a Laker fan. You know just because I'm from here. You know what I mean? So I would like to see them go. Um, but I think it's going to be Denver. I think they got like a really complete squad. They got a generational talent in the kid, Jokic. Mm-hmm. And then from the from the east, I know Atlanta won last night. I got Boston. Yeah. So I think it may be a Boston-Denver um, team in the finals because if you look at their pieces, they like the best group of players on both sides. Well, they're five. Yeah. Now, Jamal Murray played. Oh, he's back. Yeah, that, and I think he was waiting for this moment. It's like, yeah. all right, well, he we, we won enough games. Yeah. Now it's time to go. And then you got, like, Michael Porter. And you got Aaron Gordon. You, they, yeah, their like, wing depth is ridiculous. Yeah. And, and I don't want to call them guys role players, cause they're, but they're other guys other than them two. Like, come on, man. Yeah. It's like, yeah, they got a squad. And then Boston, I was just watching them. They lost yesterday, but, like, they don't miss. <laughs> Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum has to be one of the best duos of this generation. No question. Yeah, yeah, no question. Like, I don't know. I, I think people sleep on Jalen Brown for whatever reasons, but yeah. that man, both of them, they just, like, I, I don't, I think this is the year for them. So, for me, in the East, I got Boston. Yeah. For sure. The West, I want the Lakers to go as well. Yeah. But I got Phoenix. Okay. That, yeah. that. The way that Booker is playing right now. Another level. And I called, I said this two years ago. Me and my boys always go to Summer League. And we had this talk, and they were like, yo, who's going to be the next dude? And for me, I was like, Devin Booker. I said, I've never seen, I've been able to see him work out in gyms and been able to be around him a little bit. I was like, he got 
when you talk about like that mamba mentality, he got that. No question. His mental is on a whole different level. No question. And then you add KD to that, a healthy KD, mm-hmm. and you can see it. They both dropping 40 and 30 and, you know, Chris Paul, now that he doesn't have that pressure, I think there was a pressure before all the yeah. other situations where he had to perform that may be outside of his natural game yeah. because he's that good. Yeah. But now he can really do him and be a compliment to these two dudes who are dang near MVP candidates. So this Denver series is going to be nasty. Crazy. Yeah. That, I think that's what it's about. It's like, okay, who's going to – who's there you go. Who's actually going to play defense? Yeah. You well, somebody got to play defense. Yeah. <laughs> somebody. So it's going to be – I, I want to see that Jamal Murray and that, that Booker matchup. See now, these, now we get to the part of the basketball. You as a, a, a coach, I'm a coach, but we're still fans. We're tuning in for that because yes. we know this is like high, high level. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. So we want to see who gonna guard Durant, who gonna try to stop Jokic. Yes. Can y'all play small? I, so now it's gonna be the chess match of the coach. Right. No, that's so this is gonna be real. Um, and second, you got an opportunity to play against Victor. One by Yana. Yeah, one by Yana. Yeah, I didn't know his last name either until that good until I played against him. Okay, there you, there you go. <laughs> I know it now for sure. <laughs> what thoughts? Man, that dude, let me see. I cannot put it. I don't want to say we've never seen his style type talent play because Bobo mm-hmm. has similar games. But for that age to be doing it like that, and we was trying. People was like, man, we, it was rough. We was trying to win. He's very, very good. He had talent. I, in the league, he's seen all kind of talent. So we ain't going to say, ah, because we ain't seen <laughs> stuff. But he's really good. And the only thing I got to say about his game that, that I don't like is he too tall. <laughs> <laughs> he too tall, bro. Just too tall for the he game. He too tall. And that's going to be his downfall. That's interesting why, because people can get at his knees. Man, he's like, he not like 6'11 or 6'10. He like 7'3 and a half. Yeah, man. Like, when people... Like, I, I can see why the scouts are mesmerized by... Because what he does... I mean, he's shooting fadeaway threes and dribbling and going by guards. You know, that's, it's some freaking stuff. But, like, he's so tall that he, all his limbs is exposed. Like, he, he is like... That's what I tell everybody because I don't got no knock on this game. He's young, so he's gonna clean up whatever he got to clean up. Mm-hmm. But like, he's like really like seven three and a half. I, I saw a report that he's seven four and a half. Okay, well even then, that, which is even crazy. So when we played him, I got to see it was it was I know seven feet. Right, right. I ain't seen Shaq. <laughs> I ain't seen Tim Duncan. He taller than them dudes, but he out there like a small forward. Now, granted, he's not gonna play small forward, but. He is tall. He like three to four inches taller than like Kevin Durant. And Kevin Durant is tall. Right. He three to four inches taller than KG. KG is tall. So just yeah. imagine that, bro. So his biggest weakness of the game ain't too tall. <laughs> bro, it's tall. That's that's a that's a, a interesting problem. What you see him in summer league? Yeah. Yeah, dude, like a like a real like like damn. He is tall <laughs> money. But he's a good player, and, and, and the beauty of this game is like, you know, God keeps blessing this basketball game with talent from all over the world. And so, you know, that's why wherever you are in your own basketball journey, whether you're going to Northridge or G League or Michigan State, have fun in your moment, in your world, in your time, and focus on you and stop trying to worry about whatever else is going on. Yeah, your journey is just as important. Because at the end of the day, we're all going to be done playing basketball. Ball stop bouncing. So just have fun where you are and, and, and relish where you are and be the best where you are because that's all that matters. Did you know you were going to make the NBA? Man, I told my mom, I wrote her a book uh, when I was in second or third grade and the book was called Money and she still got it. And I told her I was going to NBA in like 86. So I told her that and then, you know, um, for me, I tell kids not to tell people now because, you know, they ain't going to have the same level of excitement for you. And with the generation being such need uh, positive reinforcement now, they may knock a kid off his rockers. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I may, you may tell me, man, I'm going to do this big podcast. I'm like, yeah, you think so? <laughs> so that's hating. So I tell kids when I do go speak to uh, young men of all ages, like, man, keep your dream. 
to you and make it personal so it can burn. If it's burning, it's going to make you work for it. Like if I tell somebody something, they don't have the same level of excitement. Now I'm mad at them. Well, it ain't even in their business. Right. So keep your own personal dreams um, to yourself. If you look at the best actors or people make the cars or anything that they're special at, and somewhere along their line, they made it personal. And now we're seeing like, damn, he, well, that person's been thinking that. Right. So keep it personal. Stop telling everybody what you're trying to do because it just gives people more ammo to knock you down. Nobody really want to see you win. They may say it, but nobody really want right. to see you win. Right. Uh, that's why I try to keep the circle tight of the people who I know is like, hey, we just trying to elevate everybody. And I know you trying to get to the next level. I know, you know, who trying to get to the next level. So I mess with y'all. You yeah, know, no I, I know that. And so that I think that's important too. It's the circle that you're in, yeah. that, that inner circle and, and the people that you're around are always going to elevate you. Surround so, yourself with so positive that, that little homie that you go into the gym with that stops shooting after 10 minutes, stop hanging out with them. Yeah. I'm just saying, if you're trying to get somewhere with this hoop thing, or the ones who are focused on things that aren't for you, you got to get rid of them. Um, so you can get to that next level. Um, so the next, this next segment is called uh, Where Were You When? Okay? Yeah, yeah, we're getting into the DeLorean, the time machine. Okay. Um, we're going to go back to the point for a second shot. We chopped it up a little bit about mm-hmm. it. Derek Fisher, you were at the game. Yep. Uh, tell me about what, what, what that moment was. And what it meant to you at that time? So it was a uh, game five in San Antonio. The series was a uh, two-two. Um, we had won the first two, and then went to LA and lost the two. I was playing for the Spurs. Um, actually, I was on the reserve role. I was under the basket with my Spurs. <laughs> Tim Duncan just hit an amazing shot, and we went crazy. And then it was point four on the clock, and so on that Laker roster was Gary Payton, a guy named Shaquille O'Neal, a guy named. Robert Ory. No, Robert's with me. So, Carl Malone and Kobe. So, Pop, one of the best coaches of all time, he's going to Kobe. And then Phil, Kobe was denied, and Phil had somewhere he went to Derek Fisher. And that shot, it, it don't it don't go down as, like, one of the greatest because it's, like, you know, Derek Fisher was a great pro, but if he was, like, a name that everybody, you know, recognized would be, but that shot was probably one of the most back-breaking shots in, like, playoff history. Um, he came around to his left hand. Think about that. That's how you know he wasn't really in the scouting thing. He came this way, in his left hand, this way, and hit it. And if you, you watch it again, you see me look up, and he, man, I walked right to the, to the locker room. Was under the basket. <laughs> but that shot right there, man, I was happy to be a part of it because, you know, point four. That's when the NBA started that you can get a shot off in point four. Right. Before they, they was that, oh, no, it's over. They would just call it. Derek Fisher started point four. You can get anything point four and after five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. It's a, you can get a shot off. And so that shot right there stung, it hurt, and that was game five. And then we went there in game six and lost, and that was the end of that. But I was there for that shot, and that's a great shot in playoff history. Yeah, no, it was it was unbelievable. I remember watching that shot yeah. when I was younger, and it was like it was quiet for a second. Like, did that just happen? Yes. And then it was like. Oh, counted. Counted. He ran right to the locker room. Yeah. And so this is before, like, now they bring it right back camera. Call New Jersey. Let's look at it. Man, so that was one of the, for me, I'm, you know, just a fan of the game. Obviously, you in them runs. You watch it. And so you got a chance to see him make the shot over all them Hall of Famers, man. That was like, wow. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, so. D-Fish shot. Yeah, that to the mural, for sure. Yeah, you got to get that D-Fish shot up here, man. That was sweet. Yeah, no, that's yeah. awesome. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? Man, I just want to tell you, man, I appreciate you uh, having me on the show. This is a great thing, man. We get just to talk basketball and dialogue. And then more importantly, just talk about things that we need to say in our, in our basketball world without being judged or being this or that. It's very important to have healthy dialogue. And moving forward, man, I hope, you know, the world, uh, we all get better. You know, from our culture, we, we struggle with certain things. But we got to get better as a culture because the game is not going nowhere. So we as people involved in around the game, we have a responsibility to educate, make people better, and then also man, hold people accountable. They ain't never too big to be getting held accountable. No matter what level of coaching or who you think you are, you can still get checked yes. in the basketball world. So we need to have keep people around us who can check us when we're wrong. Right. And so and, and, and treat people right. And uh, 
parents love on your kids. Coaches get players better. Yeah, develop. Develop and not numbers. And they got real feelings from the pro level to the to the elementary level. So that's all I want to say. Um, so that's all for today, folks. Um, appreciate you coming through again, my brother. This is uh, amazing. And um, I hope you guys are listening, you know, to somebody who's done it at every single level and continuing to grow and develop, um, you know, as a person, a, a husband, a father, um, of someone who plays the game and his other son runs track. So he's into this, the youth sports side and um, just a lot of wisdom and like real life application that you can use and back to who you were trying to be um and um you know if is there a way people get in contact with you if they want to reach out and i'm i'm on social media too i don't tweet crazy but if you ever try to get a hold of me man i'm at, uh, at jhart1825 i'm on twitter i'm on instagram so you know i'm not hard to find i try to stay in gyms yeah. you know so and that's the that's where my world is i don't try to venture out my world and i'm a resource yeah so i get a lot of parents asking me questions about how to do this and players how to do that so I don't want nothing out of it. I just want your basketball experience to be a positive one. And um, anything I can do, I'm here to help. Three people who should come and do this show with you. Ooh. Call them out. We're going to post them. Man, three people you need on this show. You need uh, Clint Parks. Clint, okay. You got to have Clint. Because in our world, you know, Clint, man, right or wrong, Clint going to stand on what he thinks. Yes. And so he's part of the culture. Yes. You know what I mean? He believes in development. Got to have Clint on here. Got to get Baron Davis on here. Okay. Baron, what he did for uh, Los Angeles point guards and, you know, his 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 time in the game, his influence on and off the court. Got to have him on here, definitely. Like a Dinos Trigonis. Mm. And the reason why I, I, I say that, he's still in the game and he's doing it at a high level, but he has a lot of influence. And it's just good to hear where he coming from because yeah. he be on Twitter snapping too. He do. When something ain't right or wrong. Yes. And so people like that, they don't never run from their truths. Yeah. And so you gotta listen to them tight. So I would say Clint Parks, because he, you know, he's a monster on Twitter. <laughs> and then Baron because he got a whole different come with a whole different mindset of you know, his, his what he think of the game and where he's at now. And then Dinos, these dudes have influence on the basketball culture in Los Angeles. So them would be three that I think you should be able to get. Oh, awesome. All right. Y'all come on to the show. Jay Hart calling you out. Come and just chop it up with me. I want to elevate your game. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Peace.